Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. This is one of those weird uh, happy verses because most of us do not attribute happiness to mourning. Uh, it's really two ends of the spectrum, it seems, but yet God has a great truth for each and every one of us when it comes to this blessing of mourning. I hope you pay close attention to this message because I really think that if you grab a hold of this truth, that you too will find happiness in mourning. Without further ado, for episode three, here you go. Matthew chapter 5. We started this series last week, and so you're catching it. If this is your first time on this one, it's okay. You haven't missed much, and there'll be a little bit of a review. Uh, But we're taking really the rest of the year, just to kind of give you an idea, unless the Lord changes it a week or uh, at some point. But we're taking the rest of the year to really take what I call a meandering drive through what I believe to be the greatest sermon ever written. See, there's been lots of good sermons. There's been Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Uh, That's considered one of the most popular sermons uh, to ever be done by Jonathan Edwards. There's there's sermons I grew up hearing that that were instrumental in my life, but I truly, truly believe that nobody could proclaim the Word of God better than the living Word of God. And Jesus is going to literally give his words, his, his uh, 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 truths in a sermon format. As remember, if you, if you were here last week, I made mention of it. Uh, we're sitting on top of these, this mountain, really a cluster of mountains that overlook the Sea of Galilee. Uh, we've got a group of people that have assembled. We don't know exactly how many. We just know that they were a multitude assembled together at sometimes that multitude numbered 15 20,000 people at different times this particular time we don't know how many uh, were gathered right here at this mountainside that overlooked the sea of Galilee and and Jesus goes up into this mountain and he he's going to talk to some people and and really I think he's going to preach to really a relatively small number of people but other people are going to be listening We probably are the ones who are listening in a little bit to this sermon, uh, just as those people maybe at the base of the mountain. But Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 verse 1 is going to walk up into the mountaintop, and his disciples are going to follow him up there, and he is going to deliver his first recorded sermon. This is what Jesus had to say, and I love how it off. He starts it off in Matthew chapter 5, verse 2, I believe, blessed. I think Jesus gets us. I think Jesus gets us probably better than, or I'm sorry, verse number 3, uh, better than we get ourselves sometimes because I believe truly that every single person here, if you were to sit and think about it, you would say that the points of why I exist day to today or my 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 goal the thing i strive for is i want to be happy fulfilled i i i want to have some purpose i want to you know 
that's the reason why things like The Voice and, and uh, American Idol and, and, and uh, America's Got Talent become so big uh, and, and so many people watch that. Why? They're watching people who have found their purpose. I am Jan and my purpose is to sing in front of millions of people. There's just some about that. We, we all crave it. We crave this life, searching for some sort of happiness. I was, I was talking uh, 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 earlier um, to Miss Helen, and uh, Miss Helen uh, was telling me that her doctor had, had recently told her, I don't know how recently, that, that she's not supposed to drink coffee and, and she's not supposed to drink Dr. Pepper. And, and I said, wow, Dr. Pepper, I mean, I can get coffee. Coffee, I can but Dr. Pepper, and she's like, oh, yeah, I told him no. <laughs> Why? Because, bless God, I'm going to be happy. And when you reach a certain age, you got to go sometime. You might as well just drink the Dr. Pepper and go with a smile on your face. I mean, uh, there's some things that you just got to do. And I think that's, the, that's kind of the point. And I, I, I remember I was watching an interview with like a 110-year-old woman, and they asked her, what do you eat every day? I was like, oh, yeah, I eat a Big Mac value meal every day. I mean, we don't know when we're going. And she's 110. Uh, so so the, the goal is just, just be happy. And so Jesus comes to us, and before he ever lays down the law, he says, you'll want to be happy. And he gives us the what we know as the beatitudes of how to truly be blessed. The word blessed is the best way to describe it, bone deep happy. Instead of like reactionary happy, we're, we're, you know, we're good at reactionary happy. You know, our boss gives us a raise. There's a smile on our face. Just is. That's called reactionary happy kind of happy, but then there's a happy that just, it seems to come from the inside out. And it's really where we finally have discovered, I am at peace with who I am, where I'm standing, and what I'm doing. It's that bone deep happiness. That's what Jesus is coming to us, just like he's coming to these disciples, and he's saying, do you want to be blessed? Well, the first thing you got to do, I'm just going to review very quickly, be poor in spirit. That word poor right it's the connotation of truly being bankrupt or without resource, without ability. Uh, it's not the poor like, like paycheck to paycheck poor. It's the poor that I got nothing. Like I got no way out. And it says, I, uh, the first thing, that's just strange because who's happy when they have nothing? Well, this idea of poor, it's in spirit. In other words, it's understanding that your happiness cannot be fulfilled by you exclusively. It's you saying, wow, I want to be happy, but I don't know how to get there. I'm literally without a resource to get there on my own. I don't have what it takes to be happy. It's like, that's the first step to being happy, to figure out you can't be happy on your own. Now, you sit back and you think, it's like, wow. I was like, really, preacher? Like, like are you sure Jesus didn't have something wrong there? But let me just say, you. Isn't it a great load off yourself when you realize it's not up to me? The pressure's not on you. 
And that's pretty much what he's saying. He's like, the happy people or the blessed people are the people who have an attitude of understanding that I can't change it on my own. Something else has to get involved. And so you empty yourself of what you think this is. You, you let that go. And he actually says it. He says, he says, to those people, theirs is the kingdom of God. Now, the reason for that is, again, he's talking specifically about spiritually bankrupt or poor in spirit. That means to understanding your spirit is the thing that, uh, uh, that talks to your emotions, talks to your mind, talks to being of who you are, and also communicates with God. And when you understand that you can't be perfect enough to get there on your own, boy, that takes a huge load off. See, the kingdom of heaven is filled with a bunch of people that don't deserve to be there. Spiritually bankrupt people. Literally people that could do nothing else but just cry out to God and say, God, please save me. As that thief on the cross going through the death penalty. He says, hey, will you remember me when you go into the kingdom? And he looked at him and he said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Huge load off when I realize, huh, I don't have to, t- I, I, I can't do it, but he can. And okay, I accept. That is a happy to and what we're going to talk about today. And now it starts to get a little more into the progression, if you will, because the next one, it says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourn. Do you understand this doesn't make sense? Nobody says, you know what I need to be happy this week? Good for time someone dies so I can be happy. Now, some of you might have someone that just entered your mind. Do not let that rest there, Uh, because that's not what it's talking about. But I'm talking about the idea, what in the world does mourning have to do with happiness? That's what I want to talk about, because in order to understand verse number four, we We had to cover verse number three to get on the same page. Because you have to understand why what God wants you to mourn. Mourning's a very interesting thing. And this particular word, which by the way, there's there's nine different words uh, in the Bible that that have to do with mourning. This one, this word is the most severe of those nine. It is the one in which literally you're burying something. It's the bearing kind of mourning. It's that mourning where you are separating yourself from whatever it is that you're mourning. It's where you have come to the place to where no longer are you going to be able to visit with the loved one again. It's over, and you're mourning that, that, that separation of relationship. That's what he's talking about here when he's talking about mourning. He's talking about going to a funeral, that kind of mourning. He's the loss of a family member in which weeks, maybe months later, you finally sit back and be like, okay, mourning's over. The, the grief's over. And you say, 
preacher, why? Well, that's why we have to go to verse 3 to find out what we're mourning. Because verse 3 is, blessed are the poor in spirit. The bankrupt. The ones who lost their own ability. How did we lose our ability to be spiritually fulfilled? How did we lose the ability to not be able to go to heaven on our own merits? How did we lose the ability? What happened? Yep, we're going to talk about it. The three-letter word we hate to talk about. S-I-N. Sin. Sin. Jesus is talking through this, and he's saying, you're blessed if you're poor in spirit, and then you're blessed if you mourn about that. If you, if you mourn about that. Jesus isn't talking about blessed are people who suffer the loss of a loved one or something special. But the grief he is talking about equals that in intensity. He's talking about mourning your condition that got you to your poor in spirit. Mourning the sin. See, we can only truly be happy when we are sad with our sinful condition. Gain from a loss. One of the greatest things that we have learned, one of the greatest things that Jesus has taught us about life is sometimes the most beneficial thing you can do in life is let go of the poison. Let go of what is destroying your life. Let go of what is bringing you into a destructive tendencies and to instead of holding on to it because at least I have something. No, you don't. You have what is killing you. And God says that one of the greatest things you can do, mourn, bury it, separate yourself from it, end the relationship, break up with your sin. The Bible defines what sin is. First John chapter 3, verse 4. The Bible says, never commit a sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is a transgression of the law. Thus, sin is anything we think, say, do, that goes against the word of God. That is a commission sin. Then there's the omission sin. What is an omission sin? The omission sin is anything we don't think, don't say, or don't do that goes against the word. See, sometimes we sin when we don't do what we should be doing, and then we sin when we do something we shouldn't be doing. Usually, omission sins come before commission sins. I've always found that people usually commit the wrong thing when they're not doing the right thing. It's funny how that works. It's like, it's like you're supposed to do something, uh, just do the right thing. Uh, and, so, and so in this idea, we have this, this sin defined for us. Now, when we harbor sin, meaning when we continue down a pathway of a particular sin, and most people have no problem accepting this, but I do want to explain it to you 
in case you do. When we harbor sin, sin weakens us physically. Psalm chapter 32, David speaks to us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God and says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sins is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, but in whose spirit is no guile. When I kept silence, meaning when I just tried to cover it myself, when I tried to walk through the sin journey myself, when I didn't cry out to God and say, Lord, forgive me, when I didn't try and confess anything, when I just kept my silence, what happened to me? The Bible says my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For the day and night my hand was upon me, my moisture is turned into the drought of summer, Selah. He's saying, man, it was miserable. But can I just tell you something? Sin is miserable. Doing what God doesn't want you to do? Man, you talk to some people who have maybe gone a few steps ahead in the journey that you're playing with. Let them tell you. I wasn't happy. Are you kidding? I mean, I thought I was. No. I have never met. (laughs) I'm amazed at how many times I have to sit with people that are truly miserable and tell them, would you just stop doing that? And to see them, as Psalms say, walk like a dog back to his vomit. I sat back and said, why? Do you do not want to be happy? I'm just going to tell you. We learned it in verse 3. But happiness is never going to be found by giving your spirit to anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ. When you give your spirit's dominion, I don't care if it's at the the bottom of a bottle. I don't care if it's at the bottom of a if it's in a medication. I don't care if it's in a if it's in a a, a new relationship, an, another woman, another man. I don't care what it is that you think that that happiness is. If it's not on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be miserable. It just will. You say, preacher, that's just you're just being that hellfire damnation preaching. I'm trying to help you. Forgive for Jesus. Don't you want to be happy? Because that's what Jesus said. He's like, don't you want to be happy? Could you please bury it? When we continue, instead of confessing, sin will wreak havoc in our relationships with each other. James 4.1 says, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your own lusts that war within your own members? You know why you're mad at your spouse all the time? I know it's always their fault. But let me just be real with you. You're mad because you got to fight with yourself too much, and they're getting the spillover. Now, I'm not saying that's every fight, but I'm saying that's a lot of them. You know when I'm the most mad at Miss Amber? When I'm the most mad at Mr. Justin. It's always amazing how she gets the most of my meal. It just spills over. 
See, if I am not in a good place, how in the world am I going to maintain a relationship with someone I can't control? That's why it's so important for us to look at this thing, especially, I, I would, before you get in an all-out fight with that person, go to prayer and say, God, am I messing up somewhere? Do I, I need forgiveness. And what's the sin in my life? Please, please, if I don't know it, and usually we do, it's confess, get that out of your life, and go see if, it, you, if you wind up talking nicer. When you're at peace, it's amazing how good things just happen. It's about getting rid of the sin. There are times we lose our temper against another, not because it was a pain in the neck, but because of our inner struggles. Sin puts a wedge between us and God. That's the other thing. Psalm 66, verse 18. The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And that's always been one of those things that people have sat back and it's like, wow, you mean if I have one sin in my life that Lord's not going to hear me? There's a difference between when iniquities in your heart. You know when iniquities in your heart? Iniquities when you, in your heart when iniquities in your mind. When iniquities in your mind? When I know I'm not doing what the Lord's telling me to do, do and he knows I'm not doing what the Lord's not telling me not to do, guess what? He's like, what I'm waiting to hear is I'm sorry. You do that with your kids sometimes? They're like, Mommy, I want food. What I'm waiting to hear is I'm sorry. You know God does that? It's like you want all this other stuff, but what I'm waiting to hear is I'm sorry. I need some confession time. The Bible says, well, plainly we can see, sin is not worth it. So we gain from our loss when we recognize what sin does in our lives. Secondly, we gain from our loss when we respond with repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is a change of mind that produces a change in action. Repentance is when we say we have a wake-up call that says, all right. Don't need to be doing this anymore. That's not repentance. But you just started the process. You just took the first step on the road. Then what happens is, like, yep, I should not be doing this anymore. I thought was okay is really bad. It's time to change course. That's repentance. It's the journey. It, it's the change of mind that affects the change in the foot or the change in the hand, or the change in the heart, or the change in the uh, uh, actions, whatever that action is. It's when you make a decision, I am no longer walking this way, not because I want to conform to this side, but I really think this, or I really want to do this, but I guess I'll walk this. Well, maybe I should go back and try it a little bit. No one's watching. Uh, well, no, I need to get rid of that, but boy, it looks so good, and, and uh, yeah, I'm conform. Well, maybe just a little bit. I'll walk back over here. That's not repentance. You know what repentance is? Enough. My eyes are fixed on a new way. My heart is fixed on a new way. My mind is fixed on a new way. I'm walking a different path. No longer do I want to go back there. 
It's time to walk the new journey. See, this is where that mourning comes in. Mourning is saying goodbye for the final time. It's like, you want to be happy? Stop saying goodbye again and start saying goodbye a final time. I'm done. I'm done with that way. I'm not going back. When we can get to the point to where we respond to our sin with a repentant heart going a new direction, God says, you want to be happy? You'll do that. You'll do that. You'll leave that old way. You'll walk away. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 9 says, Now I rejoice, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrow to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. What he's talking about here, he's like, man, think about if, if, if you've got saved, understand this, because this is one of the crazy things. He said, you got saved because, first of all, you, you experienced some godly sorrow. You recognized your condition. You recognized who you were. You recognized you were a sinner. And then you decided that you couldn't do it on your own. You, you couldn't just be good enough, and, and you repented of that idea, and you said, the only way I can get to heaven is Jesus says, but God commendeth, he loved, he demonstrated his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, because we couldn't do it on our own. He had to do it for us. And so we say, I can't work myself to this thing called heaven. God's given me a way. I'm changing course. I, I, I was one to doing that. I thought that was the way to heaven, but my godly sorrow repentance to my salvation. I changed my mind. I'm now choosing, not to say I'm going to be perfect, not to say I'm never going to sin again, because that is going to happen. But what I'm choosing is I'm not going to accept my perfection as my only hope for heaven. Now I am only choosing Christ. It's my only hope for heaven. It's not about me. It's about the gift. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He said, Lord, I'll just accept the gift. And he says, boy, you do that? You accept that gift? You got salvation that doesn't go away. You can't send your way out of God's grace. Bible says where sin hath abounded, Paul says, grace hath much more abounded. That means if, and this is a tough thing to say to people, because some people think, oh, it's just a license to sin, but it's really not. It's simply saying that there is no amount of sin that you can possibly do that God does not say, ex except not accept them, uh, except that God does not say, I don't have the grace to forgive that. Please trust me. And that's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing that God has more grace than you have the ability to sin. But he says, trust in me. The thing is, we do that with our salvation. And then, 
which is literally, if I can use like figurative terms, it's like we were chained. The Bible calls we were slaves to our sin. We were chained to our sin. And, and, and God came in and he said, if you'll let me, I'll unlock the chains that are holding you hostage. I'll, I'll let you break free from those. I'll, I'll let you go to heaven and, and all those things. Like, okay, that's awesome. I accept that, Lord Jesus. And he says, okay, here's the key. All right, your chains are unlocked. And it's like, that is just awesome. Thank you. Next day, Jesus comes back into your prison cell, gates open, chains unshackled. He says, why are you still in here? Well, it's really hard to get these chains off. Well, but they're unlocked. I know, but I'm so comfortable with these chains. I mean, they match my hair. I just, I'd, I'd prefer the chains. I just, I like the chains. I like to be just captured. I, I know they're broken open and I don't have to. I can just throw a cast them off. I can just walk this way. But, but, and I know I'm still going to heaven. I mean, I understand that. But I'd like to go to heaven, you know, with chains around my wrists. You say, preacher, that's foolish. What do you think we do with sin? God literally gave us the ability to break free from all sin. Not only did he just give us a home in heaven, but he said, you can walk in newness of life. You don't have to walk the same old life. You don't have to deal with the same old things. But I really like the chains. I really like the sin. It's just no. God's continuing to bring that godly sorrow so that you can repent of that sin too. So that you can continue to walk the spiritual life. Because God doesn't just want you to be happy in eternity. He also wants you to be happy today. So he says, stop. Stop sinning. Separate yourself from it. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, he promises us that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confessing means to acknowledge or to say the same thing as this is to tell God, this is what I did. This is who I am. Please forgive me. He says he will. So we gain from our loss when we recognize what sin does to our lives and when we respond in repentance. And then the last thing, we gain from our loss when we receive God's forgiveness. Bible says in Psalms 103, verse 11, for as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgression from us. This is, this is the tough one. And can I tell you, this is the one that if you really capture this, if we all really capture this, if I capture it, uh, because I think we all need this. The only way we can truly walk away from sin, it's not going to be from a self-help book. This isn't Jesus saying, when you get perfect, come to me. That's not it at all. Because quite honestly, no one will ever be able to come. We're all imperfect. Rather, this is saying, come to me 
and let me guide you. That's why he says, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you're walking in the spirit, you will not sin. You say, well, preacher, now you're starting to get into that scary water of some other denomination. Explain it to you. That means if you walk in the spirit from nine to 10, you won't sin from nine to 10. If you walk in the flesh from 10 to 11, guess what you're going to do? You go back from 11 to 12, walk in the spirit, guess what you're not going to do? This is the fun journey of the Christian life in which Paul constantly talked about, I got this old man, I got this new man. I, 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 the things that I don't want to do, I do. The things I don't do want to do, I don't. It's like, who can help me through this? Well, he knows his answer. It's Jesus the same Jesus that you confessed your sin, put your complete faith into for salvation is the same Jesus that also wants to be talking to you and you to be talking to him every single day of your life, guiding you through this process. And you got to walk the process. You just got to keep on doing it. You say, you say, but preacher, I messed up again and again and again and again and again. Guess what? You're sucking God's air today, which means he's giving you another shot. He's not giving you, he already, you trusted Christ, heaven's your home. He's giving you another shot at happiness today. Well, what's the shot? Walk in the Spirit. Bury the sin. He says, you know what, I'm do what I can do with your transgressions? I can cast your transgression as far as the east is from the west. You say, preacher, how far as the east is from the west? It never stops. See, in our, on our globe, you know, if you throw something north, well, eventually it'll start going south. But east to west, you start one direction, it never stops that direction. Is that I'm throwing your sin way farther away than you can ever reach it if you'll let me. So what do we got to do? We got to receive God's forgiveness. God throws our sins as far away as possible. That's why we should not allow guilt to haunt us anymore when we've confessed our sins to God. If God's forgiven you, learn to forgive yourself. Micah 7 says, Who is God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. God's sitting there in heaven saying, Boy, I want to be merciful to you. Will you let me? Please? He's not sitting there as an ogre saying, you broke my commandment. No. He's saying, let me help you. Please. I'm here. Please. Like, like, I will actually be rejoicing in heaven. My angels and I will be rejoicing in heaven because you decided to repent. Remember that whole sheep? The 99 sheep that were in the fold. One goes off. He says, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repenteth than of the ninety and nine. That means Jesus is for you coming back. Oh, he don't know what I did. Yeah, he does. Those nails were long and deep that paid for that sin. Let it go. Let it go. I love how one person said, 
God casts our sins in the deepest part of the sea and then puts a no fishing sign there. The only way you got to get there, the only way you're going to get there is if you keep on going fishing. If you keep on going fishing. If you take your mind there. God's the one giving us a clean slate. After describing unconfessed sin, how it weakens our vitality, King David, the same, we talked about Psalms 32, where he talked about how sin had just caused him to just hurt and the pain that it caused. In verse number five, he goes on to say, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah, for this shall everyone that is godly to thee in a time when thou mayest be found surely in the floods of great waters they shall come nigh unto them he's like this is awesome when i confessed it it was like this whole ocean of clean that came on me i just got rid of it and it's like god just showered me with his mercy so what do we need to learn from this we need to learn that the blessed thing is when bury, or rather allow God to bury the relationship that is destroying your happiness. What do you choose? The one who laid down his life for you or the thing that every single time you do it? hate yourself for. I don't know about you, but Jesus said, you're blessed when you mourn that and let me bring the comfort. Let me fill the void that sin had once taken control.